Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome to part three of our discussion on functional medicine, lab testing, and chronic symptom management, as always from a wholehearted eating, non-diet perspective. So in this episode, Christina and I are discussing how when you're dealing with chronic symptoms or labs that are out of range, doctors always place a huge emphasis on removing everything inflammatory, whether that be foods, lifestyle factors, stressors, etc. So you do it, and then you think, well why aren't I feeling better after removing the food or the quote inflammatory factors? Why aren't I feeling better after trying to remove as many stressors as possible? Is it my fault because I didn't do it perfectly? And this is such a common train of thought that we hear from so many of our clients. So we wanted to address it. And then we're going to talk about what to do about this situation instead from our signature wholehearted eating approach, as of course, with a lot of practicality and action steps for you. If you're interested in continuing this discussion, we actually have a ton of bonus content over on our Patreon specifically about these last three episodes. So if you wanted to hear a more personal discussion from Christina and I about our recent lab work and then experience with medical weight stigma, what we decided to do when we didn't actually receive all of the lab tests that we wanted for our doctors, where we went and our experience with this other lab, and then also what labs to ask your doctor for when you go in for your next annual physical, you can head over to patreon.com slash wholehearted eating over there you can join our community for only five dollars a month and you're going to get in addition to all the bonus content that i just talked about which is like multiple video 30 to 40 minute episodes you're also going to get seven months of bonus content for only five dollars so join the community over at patreon and then let's get right into the episode On today's episode, we're going to be continuing the series that we have been doing talking about functional medicine and lab work and functional labs and everything like that. And this is going to be more of a action-oriented type episode, still very informational, but we're going to give you a lot of different things to think, you know, thoughts to think about and kind of action steps that you can do. So in case you have missed parts one or two, um, in the first part, we talked about what we're calling kind of the functional medicine pipeline, which is where people will have a lot of different symptoms and then they go to their PCP and then they don't feel super satisfied with what they've gotten. So they do a lot of their own research. They try to go to functional medicine, which is the big dollar bills. Um, and, you know, some of, some of that can be really helpful. And then other times it feels like there are a lot of different issues there and there are a lot of different things that aren't being taken into consideration. Um, so that's kind of part one. And then part two, we talked a lot more about the labs that may be done with functional medicine and some of the labs that we use in our practice and how we use them um, and how we, Christina and I, and other people in our field tend to look at labs as part of the whole person instead of people being a collection of symptoms and lab markers. And so with 
today's episode, we wanted to talk about, okay, so like what can what can you do now when you've been <laughs> when you've been on this journey? And you're like, I feel like I've used a lot of these different avenues and I'm still not feeling great. So what happens now? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the scene, right? Like you kind of get to this point where all of a sudden you're like, okay, I've done all these things and either something's like really wrong with me or I don't execute things that they're doing and you feel really defeated Um, and just feeling frustrated, overwhelmed, run down by all the things and also feeling like, what do I do now? I still don't feel well. I'm not getting where I want to be. And no one's been able to truly kind of help me feel better. And you really want to feel better. And I think that's one of the things that can feel the most, oh my gosh, like just, I think what's missing a lot of times in the pipeline, like how you end up in this place, is that each place that you kind of go to, a stop along the way, you gather new information And you might have new tools and new things that you can do, but it doesn't really take into consideration the entire person and the entire, all of the different pieces of that puzzle that implement all of that. And so it can feel very much like, okay, how do I put all the pieces together? How do I put all this information together? And it can feel like Dana and I were just saying that the only way we can really just describe it is completely defeated. Yep. Yeah. And it can be really frustrating, right? Because you, a lot of the people who have gone through this kind of timeline or pipeline, whatever you want to call it, and then they end up with someone like Christina or I, they're like, I've done all the things, you know? And I'm going to be honest, a lot of people that come to me, and Christina, I'm sure you see this as well, these people love homework. We love a to-do list. We love a structured plan, right? A lot of my clients have said to me in the past, like, I love homework. You tell me to do something, I will do it, right? So a lot of the issues that I find, and this is where a lot of kind of shame and guilt and feelings of failure and especially being defeated can come up when you've gone through all these different steps. It's like, you've done all the things to the T or you did at some point and you're still not feeling better. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, another medical practitioner and this is not everybody but just going from what a lot of clients have told us is like there's you kind of leave with this feeling of from these other practitioners of I haven't done well enough and so it's my fault that I continue to have these symptoms when really that's not the case at all especially because people are like give me a to-do list give me a plan like I will follow it but then after a certain point when you've been following these plans and you've done these supplements and you've shelled out for all these labs and you've done their diet plans and everything like that and you're still not feeling better it's like well wait a minute they basically guaranteed to me that if I did all these things and followed it to the letter I would be feeling better and I'm not so is there something wrong with me did I not do it right like kind of what's happening you know basically why aren't I feeling better after doing all the things that I was told to do, right? Why aren't I feeling better after removing the stressors, removing the foods, removing all of the, you know, things that they call inflammatory factors? And that's, that's really what we wanted to dig into today. Yeah. And I think one of the things too, about, about all of the different puzzle pieces that you're mentioning, all the inflammatory factors that they refer to. And when you remove all of those things, and you're kind of like left holding the ball at the end of it, I think one of the things that can come up 
I have found is that we don't know where to begin from there, right? So the next time you go to like, maybe let's say you're like, okay, well, maybe it was just that doctor. Maybe I need to go to a different doctor. Maybe I need to go to an acupuncturist. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to do that. You start going down this road and then someone gives you a new protocol to do. And you're kind of like, well, I've already done this before and I didn't really get where I wanted to go. So do I really need to do this again? And then like then we start to feel like well now now it's put on us like well I didn't do what they told me to do so maybe it's really my fault and all of that guilt kind of comes up but I just want to make it noted right now that regardless of whether or not you followed the protocol to a T because you're a type A person or not dude you'd probably still end up here (laughs) and and that's like the reality is that very, very infrequently, what ends up happening too is that some people, what will happen that I have seen in practice too, is that people will be like, oh, I had amazing results. I had amazing results going to my functional doctor. And then about three years later, like it just all came rushing back, you know, like everything's kind of back again. And so to me, I feel like Kind of similar to like a lot of things in diet culture, if you have to meticulously follow a certain thing and if you don't, something gets thrown off, it's not you, it's the plan. Because no one's meant to live that meticulously. Like your body is resilient, it's supposed to be. And also maybe then we needed to find what it looks like to live with maybe, you know, chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or, um, or something like that where you feel like it's inhibiting you. And then understanding like, okay, I might have to have these moments of a lot of rest. And I think that's where this conversation around now, Dr. Crystal Frazzi talked about this on a whole other podcast. Um, and she is an expert in it. So we're going to refer to her and that episode is full of nuggets on the body battery. And so we're going to reference the body battery. And when we're doing that, we're talking about what Dr. Crystal Frazzi kind of said. And I think sometimes we think that the way of quote unquote healing is being asymptomatic forever. And I think sometimes the reality is, is no, we have to learn to live with the body that we have and support it and also adjust to how that looks. And I think a lot of that is, I refer to it often as a kind of like a garden. If we think about our body like a garden, that if the garden gets flooded by torrential downpours, right, just because the rain stops doesn't mean the garden doesn't need support afterwards. And so I think that's something to kind of think about when you're in this place of feeling kind of defeated and maybe you've done some stuff and maybe some of the rain has stopped. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't have a torrential downpour every now and again either. And then how do we then manage that? How do we support the garden if it's flooded? And how do we do that? And I think that's one of the things that we really wanted to dive in today is this idea around recharging our battery, thinking about our body in a kind of like a different way and how, again, to me, it always goes back to capacity. How do I support my body's capacity? And that's ultimately the battery. How do I support my body's battery? And then if I have been dealt with a lot of different stuff, whether that's external stressors and things like that, or internal stuff that's going on, or like we're going to get into today is there's not typically one without the other. (laughs) And so we're going to get into that from that garden perspective. And if your garden has been flooded, how do we then 
support that garden, heal that garden, and think of it like its own whole ecosystem rather than parts of a whole. Yeah, definitely. Um, And, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about a lot recently um, and in some of the books that I've been reading recently, which I... I don't like, I now don't like to mention the names of books or anything until I've really finished them, but I got a good feeling about these ones. So um, I'm sure we'll get there eventually. But one of the uh, concepts that I've been reading more and more about is how we can't separate the mind and the body if we truly want to heal and get to the root cause of things. Because one, (laughs) the thing that connects them both is the nervous system, right? But a lot of the time when we're looking at even functional medicine, which, do, which does go farther and complementary medicine, which does go farther than, you know, traditional Western medicine, whatever we want to call it. A lot of the time in functional medicine, we're focusing exclusively on the physical factors. Oh, there's something wrong with the gut microbiome. Oh, there are things that we're putting into our body that are, quote, inflammatory. You know, there's all these other things. But then what they're not... I would say even equipped to be able to deal with, but they don't even really mention at all as a big factor is like, well, what are the things that led to this dysregulation in the first place, right? What are what are what were the seeds that were planted in the garden in your childhood or what's going on in your brain? What's going on with your stress, your emotions, your trauma, you know, like all of these other things, living in a society that is not really uh cultivating an environment of healing because of all of the microaggressions that people experience every single day and that they have been experiencing for generations, right? That's not an environment where you can just easily heal in. So to give an example and going back to like, why aren't I feeling better after removing all of the things, right? Because that's that's kind of the gist of what you get in functional medicine. It's like, okay, well, you know, things haven't worked for you from a primary care perspective or you go and get your you know regular labs done they're like oh well everything's fine or like oh just remove saturated fats blah 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 which like we can go into that another time um but to use an example it's like if you're having a lot of gut issues if you've got an infection or something like that just taking antibiotics isn't going to fix the problem or to use a chronic symptom analogy or chronic health analogy When you get diagnosed with celiac disease, just removing gluten is not enough to get you back to feeling good, right? Because there's been so much damage. You have to do healing on the other side as well and adding things in, which as you all know, is always what we focus on. But going back to the, you know, the gut microbiome and the antibiotics analogy, if you've got like a parasite, you've got H. pylori, you had, you know, gastroparesis, you have gastroenteritis, right? Any of these things that you need to take antibiotics for. By the way, (laughs) this is not a podcast to ever say, don't take your antibiotics, right? Take them (laughs) when you are prescribed them. And knowing that we can and we will do the work on the other side to make sure we're building you back up again. Because if you're taking a broad spectrum antibiotic, that's just going to knock out all the things that one, need to be knocked out, but then also can knock out a lot of your beneficial bacteria as well that you need to absorb nutrients and digest things and, you know, all of the things that gut bacteria do help with your neurotransmitters, your thyroid hormones. You can't just be like, okay, we got the thing out. Now we're good. No, it's kind of like scorched earth in there, right? You need to go in with some healing nutrients. You need to assist your digestion. You probably need some probiotics and prebiotics, which by the way, even doctors are saying now, right? So, you know, you can't just be like, okay, we just lit a fire and now it's all good. Yeah, eventually if you weren't exposed to anything over the next couple of years, 
your gut bacteria might be able to repopulate. There might be some plants growing out of the scorched earth, but uh, it would be a lot faster and more efficient if we give it some food, give it some water, give it some sunlight, turn over the soil, you know, all the other things. So this goes back to Christina's analogy of like thinking of the garden as a whole ecosystem and all of the different factors that go into it instead of just like, well, it's not flooding anymore. So I think we're good. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people end up. It's like they get to this point. I, I I actually started talking about this a lot with some clients of mine who just got out of like a master's program or a PhD program or medical school. I mean, intense, intense stress, right? Like so much demand. And like not everyone, just because you don't, you didn't go through like an intense schooling experience doesn't mean that you don't have your own version of this. So I'm just using this as an example. But a client came to me and said, well, I'm done with my PhD program and now I'm working. And so- (laughs) Why aren't I feeling better? (laughs) Why am I so damn tired? I'm like, dude, did you take any time to recover from all that? Probably not. You maybe at best took a week off from when you graduated to going back to starting your first day of work because, you know, finances, money, student loans, like all of the things have have to be managed and paid off and all the different things, right? And so I said, well, we have to then remember like, okay, just again, and just because we're out of the immediate big stressor type of environment, doesn't mean then that it's just like, okay, cool, we're good to go now, right? Again, like what Dana's saying about thinking about like an ecosystem, we can't expect ourselves to be able to just, our, I mean, our bodies are resilient, but they're not that resilient. But they have a long memory. <laughs> you know memory. what I mean? Like, they, have they have a, a very, very long yeah. memory. <laughs> yeah. And being able to support it, right? And thinking about that way. And I think a lot of times, I think the major takeaway, one of the major takeaways from this idea of the garden is I think people can be hyper fixated on feeding the garden. And I think that's what happens in the functional medicine. They think about like, how are we nourishing it? How are we fertilizing it? It becomes like hyper focused on that. But we have to think about the sunlight we have to think about the soil we have to think about how all the different plants kind of interact together you know does this plant help populate that plant that would then help grow this one and then if we introduce this this you know butterfly to this you know this environment or if this plant really likes attracts bees what that does for the rest of the garden and how that then implements it from there and how they all interact together when you start thinking of the body that way you can think of okay what am I doing from a mind perspective? What's going on? What's going on in my nervous system? What kind of trauma has ex- have I experienced that I need to recover from or get support from, process through, whatever? And how is that impacting the way that my garden is growing and functioning? And then like, too, like another thing, like you could start thinking about as well. It's like, okay, how is my body supported? But my muscles, what about my physical bones? What about all of the different pieces of like, that's a foundation. Like, how am I supporting that foundation? If you just had a child like I did, how are you supporting your pelvic floor? Like there's all these different things, like the skin, the muscles, all of the different pieces all play such a big role in our whole ecosystem of our entire body. And if we think about it as just like, oh, it's a separate plant, I'm going to worry only about the gallbladder. We forget about how the gallbladder interacts with the liver and how the liver interacts with our thyroid and how our thyroid interacts with our with our, you know, metabolism, how our metabolism impacts our energy, how like 
all of the different pieces go into they don't all just work in silos. And so we can't work on the body in just a silo. We have to think about it as a whole and how each system can have a chain reaction from there. And like the first one that I spend a lot of my time on, and Dana spends a lot of her time on like feeding the garden, removing a lot of the dead plants, like all kinds of stuff in like the gut I spend a lot of time of, yo, are we nourishing your body regularly, consistently, and replenishing it? Because if you're not doing that, then your ecosystem, nothing, nothing can function. So we have to, you know, to me, that's like the focus that I have there. But I hope it makes sense, like what I've just described, like thinking about each thing. If you think about each part as a silo or like an individual plant, you know how much better your basil will thrive if it's paired with other types of herbs too at the same time in your garden or like how rosemary can like take over and garden. It's like, okay, you have to think about how you want it to be to put in there. If our mind is taking over everything or if our gut microbiome is taking over anything, then we do need to give some focus there and thought there. But we can't forget how it all works together in a larger system and that chain reaction that happens. Yeah. And I think that's often what's missed. Yes. Is that thinking about it as a whole, instead we always just kind of focus on one part instead of saying like, hey, you're a very complicated being with a lot of different parts and a lot of different parts come to the table that factor into how and why your body's functioning the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's kind of liberating. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I mean, you know, to go back to the functional medicine part, I think that they have to provide another perspective, Christina, because I know this is where you were going, but just to clarify, is I think, yes, they do focus on feeding the garden, but only very specific things, (laughs) right? They're like, God forbid you use non-organic soil, right? Or anything like that. But I think one of the things that is missed even bringing another layer into us or into this is what is in the soil where is our plot right so I think a lot of the times people really only focus on like okay well what's happening now like what's in the garden right now you know they're not necessarily thinking about okay well what what happened like last spring or like what happened during the planting season or like what happened during last year's harvest or you know if you are moving into a new house you want to figure out if you're building a garden plot or something, okay, well, where's the best sunlight going to be? It would also be really helpful to know, and this is what farmers think about, is like, okay, well, what were the crops that we had here last year, right? If we're doing like a crop rotation system or anything like that, and this is getting a little technical. But basically what I, what I mean is if you build a garden plot over some sort of land that was completely nutrient devoid, because there was a fire there before or you know there were a lot of there was a lot of chemicals injected into the soil or something like that that's going to be it that garden that grows there is going to have a completely different set of circumstances than a garden in a place that has always had lots of sunlight and was always tilled and was always blah 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 all the things you know so I think one of the things that's really important to remember is what are the circumstances where our garden was built in the first place, right? And that's a lot of the stuff that happens in 
early childhood, the development of your nervous system, the environment you were brought up in, you know, the food and body beliefs that you had that were kind of instilled in you or you soaked up like a sponge, right? So to use this example of like, you can't just remove the stressor and then everything is fine, you know, like, oh, it's no longer flooding anymore. Everything's fine. The body remembers, right? If you, even if you are no longer living in your parents' house where a lot of, you know, comments were made about your body or anything like that, it doesn't mean that those comments never come up again in your mind. You know, it doesn't mean that you're no longer affected by those things. Wouldn't that be great, <laughs> right? Like we oh my God. probably would not have jobs <laughs> if that was the case, or we wouldn't be in this, you know, specific niche of our field. But this is just another example of like, we can't only focus on the now. We have to think about all of these different circumstances through how we got here and how that all has impacted not only de- the development of whatever we have now in terms of symptoms or you know how your body is or your relationship with food or anything like that, but there's so many different things that go into that equation that also affect the capacity and the resources that you have in order to deal with the cards that you've been dealt or the way that, you know, the cards have fallen. And I think it's also important to note too, because I don't want someone to hear that and then walk away and think like, oh, great. Like, so I'm screwed. I, I had I had bad cards or whatever. And I know that's not what, what Dana's saying in any way. But I want to make it clear for you to hear um, that one, that's not the case. And two, your garden is beautiful because it's yours and we can support your unique garden. And that's ultimately the point here. The whole point isn't that there's something wrong with your garden. It's about how do I help my garden flourish to the best of its capacity? And how can I do that and support it and understand like, yeah, you know, sometimes I do have to put a cover over some of those flowers because they can get a little whatever. (laughs) Or I'm very populated with squirrels and I like to dig into it and put peanuts in my... (laughs) in my plants like and like the different types of things like maybe sometimes that's putting a barrier between you and external factors and that's a really important piece to remember but that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with your garden Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with your body your body is incredible there what we're exploring here and encouraging you to do is exactly that to look at your body as something that's unique and that it needs to be supported in its own unique ways and when we go to a function doctor and yes it can feel highly personalized it's a little less personalized than we think than we're than we're led to believe because there are certain types of protocols that happen and things like that but I think it's important to remember like yeah I can take the pieces that are supportive that I learned from there you know like maybe I did learn that I have you know a high um a high intolerance to gluten or I did get diagnosed with celiac disease because I saw a functional doctor and I was able to get to this point of learning that. And maybe I do have to remove certain things. But then I also can say at the same time, great, I learned that. Now I can come back and say, hey, I can take care of my garden and all the different pieces that impact it in another very unique way and thinking about all the different systems at play. Okay, it's not just about removing the food. It's about healing that that environment that happened. How do I then tend to that garden? Like, hey, that part of the garden um, is looking wilted. How can I give it some nourishment? What 
what nutrients does it need? Does it need something here? Does it need more sunlight? Is that what's happening? Can I support that with a grow light there? Or like, can I uproot it and move it to a different part of the garden so that it can get more light? And it, you know, it was planted in a place that needed a little bit more support. How do I then work on that? And I think when you think about it from that perspective, you can say like, okay, my gut is, is this one part. And yeah, it's a really important part. But so is the connection that my mind has, my feelings that I have, the things that I've experienced. How can I support that too? How can I work on those things? How can I read about how to support that? How can I think about my body from like a, a skeletal standpoint? What can I do to support that from that standpoint? What can I do to, if I'm feeling fatigued, what can I do to give myself restorative rest? How can I recharge my body's battery to increase the capacity to have the space to do the tending that needs to be done to support that part of your ecosystem? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense. But. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, if you, let's use like tomatoes for an example. <laughs> so my for context, my aunt and uncle are huge gardeners, right? So I get a lot of information about this from them and they start planting things like as soon as the growing season is over, right? So for the next year, they're like constantly working on stuff. And they do have like grow lights in their house, not for weed, (laughs) for other stuff, right? But it's kind of like, you know, if the cherry tomato plants didn't take on one side of the house, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the soil. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the way that they fed them. It just means they probably needed a different area of the house, right? Because they can also take over a lot of different stuff. It's like, okay, well, maybe I need a little bit of a prop to make sure that they're not wilting, you know? So it's just about, instead of saying like, oh, well, you know, not acknowledging, oh, I have all the, I I am a 4,000 piece puzzle, right? We can't ignore like a thousand of the pieces and then expect to just complete the puzzle, right? It's what we want to do is figure out, okay, where are all of my puzzle pieces coming from? Like what are all of the puzzle pieces for me? As many as you can, right? And then figure out, okay, can't figure out where this puzzle piece goes. Let's work on it, right? And figuring out what are the different tools that I could use? What are the different tools that I have the capacity to use? And also, you know, if you are one of those people who's been through a lot of different practitioners, you've tried a lot of different protocols, you know, a lot of different things that either have worked for you or haven't worked for you, all of that is information that we can use going forward, right? None of this means that like, oh, that wasn't the thing for you. That wasn't the thing for you. This really reminds me of when people are, you know, chronic dieters. They're like, oh, well, you know, this didn't work for me. (laughs) This didn't work for me. So you're just constantly looking for the next thing, which I was just going to say yeah. that, that like working is like not feeling anything anymore. Yeah. It's like newsflash, you're going to feel stuff, yeah. you know, and it might be really uncomfortable, guys. Like, well, especially because <laughs> that's the reality. When, when you get to this realization that a lot of, a lot more of our health than we think is outside of our control and is due to a lot of the different circumstances that not only you have been through in your lifetime, but also your parents, grandparents, and the environment in which you grow up, that can feel very scary and disheartening sometimes. But it just means that you need a different set of tools than the next person, right? You've been dealt a different set of cards, So you need a different set of tools. There's nothing good or bad about that. It's just like, well, if you have celiac disease, you got to deal with this set of cards. You know, if somebody has chronic fatigue, okay, we learn how to work with that. And a part of that, and we've talked about this on a couple of their episodes, is like 
yeah, it's hard to have chronic fatigue. It's hard to have celiac. You know, it's not going to be as easy for you as it is a person who doesn't have celiac or a person who doesn't have chronic fatigue or a person who doesn't have early childhood trauma, right? Those are just pieces of your puzzle. And we can go into the neutral nutrition and the physiology of like, oh, okay, so now we know that one of the reasons that you may have been more prone to develop Crohn's or asthma or endometriosis or celiac disease or any of these other, you know, conditions that you have is because the your history of fill in the blank affected your development of the nervous system or your gut microbiome, right? Instead of just being like, oh, well, here's here's a protocol, like this will fix your symptoms right now. It's um maybe let's dive into that <laughs> and see, you know, what was the soil that you were working with? What is the f- the feed for your garden? That has been working for you. And then we figure out all of the other circumstances to try and put everything together instead of just expecting that, okay, I'm just going to remove, you know, quote, inflammatory foods and I'm going to make sure I, you know, never have anything that has ever been touched by glyphosate or BPAs or, you know, any of these other things. And I'm never going to interact with Wi-Fi and then everything will be fine. It's like, well, no, (laughs) no, just no. One thing I wanted to bring up though is, you know, we've been talking about all the different kinds of soil and the puzzle pieces and everything, right? Is like, again, with the, back to the flood analogy. When the flood happens, we can't just remove it and expect everything to be fine, right? Or like flood can't just be over and we're like, all right, we're good. You know, it's when something like that happens to the body, whether it's a major stressor, it's a chronic illness, it's a traumatic event, it's, you know, whatever it was that led us to where we are, You have to, a big part of healing is one, processing through the internal things and the internal process that happened as a result of the event. A lot of this is talked about in the burnout book that we have mentioned a lot by Amelia and Emily Nagoski, um, and we'll put it in the show notes and we've talked about it before, but you have to process through what's happened internally as a result of the external event or as a consequence of the external event, right? Just because the thing is gone, doesn't your body's not done with it, right? One of the things that you can do is learn different tools that work for you to help process through that event and the hormonal cascade that happens, you know, the fight or flight response or freeze or fawn response that happens. And then really working to rebuild an environment of safety for the nervous system because that's where the healing happens right and this is where working with someone like Christina or I is really helpful because we can help you identify where are the different threats that your body is perceiving so we can help you understand those and then also figure out some tools to help move through those so for example eating on a consistent basis is nourishing and helps your body establish an environment of safety at the most basic level, right? So if we can't do that or if we're able to, unable to do that for some reason, your body's constantly going to be in a state of activating the sympathetic nervous system. So something that I was – this is all 100 percent, but something that I was thinking about prior when you were, when you were talking a little bit ago um, – is one of the things I think can happen when you go to a functional doctor or any kind of doctor that's really confident in how they can support you and they know exactly what to do and you're given this toolkit is I think it'd be interesting because remember when you were mentioning like 
all the different diets, like you feel like it's kind of like diet jumping is can be very similar, like protocol jumping can be what it is. And I think one of the things that people come back to is, well, what that worked for me, I felt really good at first, you know, and then it like slowly kind of deteriorated, right. And one of the things that I'm think I was thinking that I think we talk about often and it's like relationship to dieting, but we haven't done this so much in relationship to supplements and protocols and stuff. But part of the reason why you might feel so good is because the stress of the potential of those things impacting you negatively has just been squashed by someone of severe authority right? So you're finally given hope and you're thinking, okay, well, if I remove these things, I'm going to feel a lot better. Like go back to like the first time you ever did like a whole 30. You remove all these things and everyone's like, oh my God, I felt amazing. And like, I felt all these different things. And it's like, okay, well, maybe that had nothing to do with removing any of those foods, except that you got really, really calm knowing that there was clarity here and the steps moving forward and so that made you feel less activated in your nervous system making the food more easily digestible making the experience a lot easier making you less um, anxious so then therefore you felt better energy wise and all of the different things and I think that's something that can happen and I feel like what ends up happening when we don't talk about that and saying like oh that's a potential here with functional like protocols, any kind of protocol, right? Like, or any kind of diet of any kind. And I'm not saying that functional protocols are necessarily like 100% diety. They're like, they, they can be, they can't also, they can also not be. So, so, but, um, but to remember that sometimes we get into something and we have a really quote unquote great experience with it because we've been told we're going to have a great experience with it. And so we feel more confident going into preparing the foods that we want to have. But then what ultimately what ends up happening is it slowly kind of digresses. And then we think it's because I'm not doing it as well as I once was before. And now it's my fault because I'm not following the protocol or the diet as well as I was before. And so the lines become murky. And so we feel less confident in our body, less trust in our body to be able to handle it. And then that creates an experience and a, uh, like a, like an internal tension that can create an environment where maybe things aren't feeling as good anymore. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the, well, if I do it all perfectly, I can have that again, but we forget that maybe it had nothing to do with the food at all. That it had to do about the experience around the food that made us feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. Just food for thought. <laughs> Just food for thought. <laughs> I think another thing that like as we start to wrap up this episode, because we've given you a lot to think about. And I think one of the things that can kind of come up is, well, all of these things, all the labs, all the functional things, all the stuff we've talked about comes with severe privilege in order to have access to them. And I think even then, even still that, like tending to the ecosystem, looking at the ecosystem as a whole, and 
the need you might take from this like, oh, wow, I have a lot of stuff in my upbringing or my current environment that I actually feel like I need to process through with therapy might be really important for me. Or you might be listening to this like, wow, I've never gotten any actual labs done because I've had bad experiences going to doctors. And so maybe this would be really helpful for me. And maybe I do need to know what's going on under the hood. But that's an expense, you know, and Also, too, you might say like, hey, I don't have the capacity for some of the things that they're talking about here. How am I going to do that when I'm parenting, you know, three kids, working a full-time job, and I feel like I'm just in the weeds of the day-to-day, you know? Um, I think one of the things that I wanted for people to take from this is, yes, in an ideal world, we would be able to have access, unfettered access to all of the things that we need in order to support our body's ecosystem. Um, But that's not always the case. And that doesn't mean that we still can't understand, bring compassion and support to the body as an ecosystem at the same time. We can say, yes, I need to go down this road and explore my relationship with my body and how that impacts the way that I relate to food and giving giving my body base camp nutrients every day. Maybe that's where I need to start. Maybe I need to start there. Or maybe I have some stuff and I can maybe start reading about setting clear boundaries. Maybe I need to, you know tape off some of my garden, you know, because another person's garden is getting into mine, you know, and like, (laughs) you can kind of start to think about it that way. And just know that we understand that there's a lot of the access to all of these things come with a lot of privilege. And we're not saying that in order to feel better, you have to have access to every single one. What we're saying here is to think about yourself as an ecosystem Think of yourself as a system overall and how you can support your system and bring more compassion to your system, not necessarily become now obsessed with fixing every single part of your system. You also need to enjoy your garden. Yeah, because... At the same time. Becoming, which is an unfortunate but very common side effect of this kind of stuff, becoming obsessed with trying to fix everything is a massive stressor that can contribute to (laughs) symptoms as well, right? So a couple main takeaways, right? Keep in mind that you can't just remove things and expect everything to automatically be better. Gotta tend your garden, right? As a whole ecosystem, um, Gotta work on recharging your battery too, you know, really just kind of minding and checking in, seeing, okay, where is my battery? Like how much do I need to recharge overnight? And um, we will definitely link Crystal's episode that we did with her in the show notes. And then we also did some bonus content with her um, that we'll share on Patreon this week to go along with this episode about different tools that you can use to assess where your body battery is at and then how we can recharge and then another episode that I'll link as well if you want to go in more into this is I think like a year and a half ago at this point we talked about how we are all complicated houseplants and we have to just, you know, at initially we got to take care of our basic needs before we can go into the really, you know, much more complicated stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks guys for listening. We know you're probably going to have questions. Let us know. Bring them back. Email us, message us, all the things. 
Hey friends, it's Dana, and thanks so much for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast today. Find us on social media at Wholehearted Eating Pod on Instagram and at wholeheartedeating.com for more information about working with Dana and Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling. If you love the show, we would love you forever if you'd share an episode with your family and friends or tag us on social media or leave a five-star rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts to help more people find the show. Check out patreon.com slash wholeheartedeating to help support the show and get access to ad-free episodes, bonus episodes with us and our guests, episode discussions, new resources we're creating for Patreon, and so much more. If you have questions for us, feedback on the show, potential topics or guests you'd love to have on, shoot us an email at hello at wholeheartedeating.com, and we'll see you next week.